Thanks for downloading the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Samanko, and I'm the host. And each week, I talk to a different person about parenting. Today, very excited to have Brian Reed, someone that we go way back with with our family, and being able to talk about ministry and his life and all the things he's gone through, including the loss of a daughter and going through grief. It's a great talk, and I appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so you can get every episode, know what's coming up, and check out this interview with Brian Reed. Thanks for tuning in to Parents Stuff Podcast. I'm here with someone I've known a long time, Brian Reed. Wow. It's been a long time. It makes me feel good to say you've known me a long time. That's right. You were Mr. Reed for a long time. I don't remember when I started using first name, being comfortable, but it's probably we started working together. Probably so. Yeah, it'd have to be. I'm not more comfortable with Mr. Reed anyway. I always tell people that call me Mr. Reed, I say, that's my dad. You can call me Brian. But I was probably 14 or 15, so it would have been a little disrespectful to start off with Brian. Because we've grown up with your kids, Brian. We're a big fan of the Reed family, and we are excited you're here talking today. Tell us about your family, your kids, how old they are, and what stage of life you're in as a wow. parent. Wow, yeah. Stay, st- I'll go stage of life first and work back. Uh, we are, I guess, officially empty nesters, praying that none of them are boomerang kids. <laughs> so far, right so now. good. <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, three down, one to go. Um, now, my oldest, Clara, is she is married. Uh to her husband, Chris. She is um, 34. I'll go ahead and say ages over this thing. That's I right. I can do that. Same age uh, as me. Same age as you. I, th- I told her, I said, Jesus made it to 33. You made it to 34. So Congratulations. Like I'm not there yet. June 21st, I'll be 34. June, so. Yeah. They have two children, uh, Harper and Molly, or their two, two girls. And then Thomas, uh, my son, is 32, just turned 32 last month. Um, he and his wife, Amanda, are in Austin, and they have two girls, Ruby and Annie. And so we're, um, you know, Perry and I are married, obviously, and uh, we're here. And Caroline, my youngest, is, uh, she is 24. Took a second, but you Yeah, can. I did. I got to do the math because That's she's. a lot of kids to keep up She's with 10 them. years behind Clara. Clara. And so, and she loves it because I, like, I'll ask her questions and I'll ask Caroline a question. I'll go, hey, Claire, what do you think about <laughs> And she'll just pause and look at me and then I'll realize what I've said. And I'm just like, you know who I'm talking to. You got the gist. You got Come on. this. Yeah. But we have, have four granddaughters, so. You're a full grandparent phrase. Yeah, we do what we'd like. Pops and P-Dot. That's, that's our, that's our names. Very specific now. for Perry. Yes. Very specific. <laughs> And some didn't know why, but... Well, go ahead and tell us why now. You can't leave them hanging. We reveal this That's right. I don't know. I know she's done a podcast before. She's done a couple. I don't know if she revealed that jewel. I don't think we have got into that. Play on words right there. That is, if you know the story. If you know the story. Yeah, she was born in August, and I I guess her mom, in her infinite wisdom, (laughs) looked on a magazine or something and saw the birthstone for August is a... Peridot, or peridot, depending on who you talk to. Mm. I, I don't know, but anyway, I think it's peridot. So that's she named her that, and so. But she goes by Perry. She goes by Perry, definitely, and that's the reason. Because who's gonna go peridot? Who's gonna say that? I mean, love her to death, but I don't even call her peridot, <laughs> unless maybe I've very formal. I think if it's been in a like more of an angry, mm, what like done? when you go but middle I, name. Yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. know you're in trouble. Yeah, that's when you know it. But like when she gets announced with all of her degrees and stuff, do they say Peridot? Yes. Mm-hmm. They they did when she, this this most recent one was her master's degree. In that Very educated. She's a counselor. Master. She is she's a mental health counselor, yes, and, and does that. And so we are just uh, living the dream now. Here. <laughs> Empty nesting. I have two kids, five and three, and I'm looking forward to that phase of life, Brian. Yeah, There's going to be pros and cons, right? There are exactly yes. There are pros and cons because uh, we're not totally. Let me. I'm just going to go ahead and clarify this. We're not totally empty nest because we also have a dog, mm. and you can't really if you're. My, and this is my this is my thought processes on it. Empty your, nest, your opinions are only yours. <laughs> that's right. I call it my pope. My personal opinion, publicly expressed. Oh, mm. that's good. That's what this podcast is for. Express well, yourself. Yes. Yeah. So. In my mind, if you're really empty nest, 
we could go home today and go, hey, let's go drive to Dallas. Rent an RV and travel the country. Or whatever. Yeah, let's go do this. Or, or let's, let's, next week, let's go do. But we can't just say that because mm. we got the dog. And so then you got to decide what do you do with Goliath. And so my parents, same phase of life. You guys are pretty close to the same age. Oh, yeah. And they have replaced us with dogs. We were just talking about this way over here. My That's dad right. is fully into being a dog parent. And it's it's a thing. They yeah. brought him yesterday to kindergarten graduation. They couldn't leave him at home for a couple hours. Uh-uh. They drove him in the car with them and <laughs> left him at our house and then took him back. We don't really do that with him because it's, I mean, we had, for a while we had two dogs. Right. R.I.P. Chewy. We're going to talk about Chewy. And uh, so, but but even with one, like he, like he's at home in a kennel during the day. We don't let him run around and stuff. But, but that's where Caroline comes in. For example, we had to go out of town this past weekend and do a wedding down in New Orleans. So we did take one extra day. So we left on Thursday, came back on Sunday, and we asked Caroline to stay at the house. And so, as a good daughter should, so, you've done a bunch a of stuff for her. Should. Yeah, we did. I did get to do one thing on her, which was kind of funny. If I could share this brief, please story do real quick. Um, so we have uh, one thing I've done is is really we've got a new house, and so I found through the able wisdom of a young man named Bill Allred. <laughs> A home security. He's been system. on this podcast as well. Yeah, a home security system through a company called Wise. Yeah, I'm sure you very inexpensive. Shameless plug. If anybody works for Wise and you hear this, please sponsor us. Please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so when I bought it, you you have to have a camera to for the bridge or or basic unit to work. And so the camera came before the home security system because they were all on back order, blah, blah, blah. So I've had the camera sitting in, just, I'll put it on a random sure. table in the house. And so we're down in New Orleans and I'm like, I'm going to see if this thing works. So I open up the old app and pull it up and there sits Caroline on the couch with two dogs because she brought her dog over too. A little well. play date. A little play date. And I was like, hey, this thing has a speaker button on it. What if I just start talking? And so I did, and it was, it was, to me, it was, it was funny. It wasn't so funny at first to Caroline, I think, <laughs> because when I started talking, I said, Hey guys, what are y'all doing? They immediately thought something was at the front door. So both the dogs in full bark mode oh, run to the front door. Right. And all I get is this text from Caroline, Well, now you set them off. <laughs> and I'm like, Come on. She said it sounded like a car alarm when it first started. Uh, so I didn't know there was apparently maybe a, Maybe like that's alert. like intruder mode. Mm. Like, get out of my house. Although I, I think if somebody's speaking through a camera and you're already inside my house, I you might not deter them. I'm... Maybe they know though that somebody's watching. But that's true. Scare them off. off. Scare them off. So that's we'll right. Anyway, so there you go. Don't break into the Reed's house. That's, that's one right. part of the story. But speaking well, of camera, right now, <laughs> it's sitting on the counter, so you're safe right now. No motion detectors. <laughs> then don't rob him quick. Yeah, his address is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But talking about Caroline, you're in an emptiness phase. We're going to talk yes. about you've been in ministry, you've been in stuff a long time. Sure. But one thing that I think is cool, just for maybe somebody that's a grandparent listening, is you still have family dinner with Caroline. We do. And we talk do. a little about that and what kind of came out of that. And well, we we kind of committed. So so and and part of it was on her own. We had no problem with Caroline living under our roof after she graduated out of college. Of course, you know as well. She did so boomerang for a little bit. She did for a little bit. Um, but she, in her mind, wanted to be, using air quotes here, on her own right. before she made any other major life decisions, i.e. marriage. Because she's like, I don't want to go from sleeping in my parents' house to getting married. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I never and had I, a roommate. That's what I, said. I said, Evan did. Look at him. Now. There you go. I really didn't. I got in college. I stayed, lived all the way there. Yeah. And we bought a house. I Went to college yeah. for free and took the money, put it in a house, and 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 that house you bought Maybe. was the house you grew up in. No, well, no, the second back. house. I'm That's sorry. Right. Yeah, circle back. My bad. Yeah, That's the right. house you bought was in Legacy. That's then, right. And then you came back. Absolutely. But yeah, I never had a roommate besides my family. So, yeah. So when Caroline moved out, one thing we just kind of wanted to be committed to was to having at least a family night to to go. Hey, how's things going? What's going on? So that it's not like. Um, you know, strangers and all this kind of stuff. Ships so, in the night. So Monday nights typically 
is our, and we just really had to make that uh, almost a standing firm date so that nothing else gets piled in on top of it because of life happens. Life, yeah. And there's been a few occasions where we've modified it, but uh, yeah, for the most part, Monday night, which was last night, right at the time of our recording today, and so uh, what? Was, oh yeah, last night was Chick Fil A. So we did Chick- Nothing fancy, but it's quality again, time if together. You work for Chick Fil A, <laughs> please sponsor our podcast. We do know people over there. The restaurant's <laughs> yeah. still closed inside, huh? Did yeah, still closed it? inside. And uh, y'all just took it back to your place. She, yeah, I had actually had her pick it up and bring it out. Nice. Of course, who paid for it? You did. But who got the points on his app? Too? You did. There you yeah. go. That sets it off a little. Yeah. But I really like that. I think it's cool that even yeah. adult children are finding that time, and your other kids have moved to different cities and. Caroline's still here, so for this season, yes, you get to be able to yes. spend that time with her, and, and we're grateful for us for like for the other kids that are out of town. Uh, FaceTime has been a huge plus because the especially with the grandkids, they like kind of getting on and we can horse around with them and get them real pumped up, and then now go do what your mom said. <laughs> That's right. Don't have to worry about any other stuff. Yeah. So. There you go. Well, you are a coworker at Simple Church. You and me have worked together now for, gosh, 12 years. Yeah, I think so, so. at least. Yeah. 13, yeah, it's coming up. It's crazy. So talk about how you got into ministry. How long have you been in the ministry? Did you do something oh, else? Wow. Have you been a minister your whole life? Yeah. Um, for me, as far as my, quote, I guess, call to ministry, um, it really, it was really something I started wrestling with in high school, my late high school years. Uh, God just did an incredible thing in my life. Personally, but then our we had a very strong student ministry corporately at our church that I grew up in in Tyler, uh, Texas, and um, out of that I knew there was I guess for me it was like there was just okay God what do you want me to do with my life and there was always something more so I had a brief I went a year to Texas A and M and I was in the Corps of Cadets over there which is different a whole path different world yeah different <laughs> path. And uh, interestingly enough, I love the core and all that kind of stuff with it uh, because of the, I guess, because of the uh, the discipline side of it and and helped me out. Um, but you didn't drink the Aggie Kool-Aid, though. I did not. No, not not completely. And I'll still pull for them watching them play certain teams. You got a soft spot. But uh, yeah, so we do that. But anyway, my. Uh, Spring semester, second semester of my freshman year of college, um, it really was literally one of these times where I'm like, God, I'm just miserable. Mm. And uh, they had a place uh, down at A&M at that time that was just a big, I mean, it was a big, big open field where uh, you did a lot of the, if you're in the core, it was an off the quad area where you did uh, a lot of drill practice and blah, blah, blah. So just went out there. It was like I just remember late at night, I sat down on the ground and just said, "Looking up, you know, that you beautiful teenage angst, Texas, <laughs> Texas sky, and just like God, what do you want me to do in my life? I want to, I want to make a difference. I want to matter." And just I felt like that. So anyway, short story, that was when I, when that happened. Um, I actually changed schools, went to a very small school in the dead center of Texas called Howard Payne University. It was a, it's a Christian school. It was actually part of the Texas Baptist University, something. blah, 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 something. And we found out Jonah Boaz's dad went there too, right? Yes. Small world. Small world. Apparently we were, which is even smaller world. I think we actually missed each other timeline-wise. Yeah. Because it world. was small enough. It was a small enough school at that time that you kind of kind of remembered everybody. But. But but there was a group of guys from Tyler that all went there, about ten of us, and so we were all pretty crazy and doing <laughs> stuff. So that's a that's whole right. different it's a whole different episode. Sure, but, but I think anyway. just real quick on that, I think it's cool. We're thinking about graduation season, and you and me have both done student ministry, and you talk yeah. to students, and they feel like they got to have their whole life figured out and planned out. They get their dream school if it's an A and M, right. and they go, and you get there and realize it's not what you wanted, right. and that's okay. And as we'll hear, God clearly had a different plan for your life and worked exactly. all those things out. But yeah. I think it's just that overwhelming pressure of your first thing has to be the exact right thing and you have to know and right. you got to do all this stuff. And if not, you're a failure and do this. And you totally changed directions. Your life would have been very different. You stayed in the core and done stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I would have. Yeah, no doubt. I would probably had a just because I would was leaning that way. I probably would have had a career in the military for a while. Who knows? 
I don't know if I would have like been, you know. Rock the Tom Selleck mustache. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had one of those back. If then. you've never seen pictures, and they're coming, they're coming <laughs> back. Yeah, and I had the. Yeah, just, yeah. Core pictures are a whole different thing. I have those tucked away somewhere. One day I'll bring those out. Please do. If you send them, I'll post them. <laughs> if you give them to me. So anyway, finished college. Uh, at Howard Payne. Back at Howard Payne. And that's when you decided you want to do ministry when you went there? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I went there. Uh, because and, and part of that, again, was just relational from the standpoint of my my youth pastor growing up went to school there uh, during his college years. And then his roommate was a, was a youth uh, minister. Uh, by that time, when I was in college, by that time, his, he was youth minister at a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And me and another guy actually went up there and were youth interns for, and I was actually there for three, three summers as a youth intern. It was a pretty big church uh, up there, Bellevue Baptist. I mean, we would take 600 high school kids to camp. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. kind of on the level of where it was back then. And, and uh, so this is the, what, this is uh, early 80s because I graduated from high school. I graduated from college in 85. Okay. Um, so anyway, following that, I just kind of felt like, and it was kind of the natural progression of things, I guess. I never really thought not to, but I went ahead. I went to seminary, got my master's degree. And so. Just pause on that real quick, because yeah. one thing I was thinking is, as a parent, what did your parents say to you about changing schools or doing ministry? Did you have a ministry background? They encourage it? Yeah, like, well. <laughs> I see you laughing. Interesting, yeah. Interesting you should ask, because it was a various thing. So my parents were always, they were always su- supporters of me. I felt like that. I don't really felt like they ever said, we want you to do this, so you do this. Um, but the interesting thing about it was when I had made that decision to move, I just I just remember it was, uh, we did like a, I don't remember where the context was, other than the fact that I guess we just drove up there. Went, my, my grandparents, my dad's parents were, uh, at that time, when they were living, they were in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So I just remember we went up there. Because we used to we would go up there when I was a kid for vacations sure. and stuff, but anyway, and I'm talking to my, I called her my meemaw. That's what, <laughs> that's what her, it if was. You're in Arkansas. Meemaw yep. and papa is what all you had. So, uh, and I just remember talking to her and telling her what was going on in my life, and her first response was, "Well, your dad thought about doing that when he was about your age, but we talked him out of it." Wow. And I thought. Wow, that's just interesting. So I was grateful that my parents didn't. Yeah. What did your dad end up doing? Uh, he he was an engineer. Mm. And ma- matter of fact, all he back then at that age, obviously, uh, he went in. It was the draft and all that kind of stuff. So he went to college, was actually in ROTC, and was an officer in the in the army for four years, four or five years. I can't remember how long. And then when he went from there, he went to uh, graduate from University of Arkansas with a a degree in industrial engineering and was an engineer the rest of his life really, hmm. from and, and worked for pretty much the same company, General Electric, until they split. And that's how we ended up in Tyler. So, gotcha. Anyway. But, yeah, so I did that. Um, and then from there, it was just kind of the progression of. I so went, where'd you go to seminary? Went to seminary. Actually, uh, again, a little bit of a, I went uh, to Mid-America. Baptist Theological Seminary, which is in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it, and the reason I went there was because I was able to stay at that church and continue just interning and be work with students because that was kind of my passion at the time. And um, so went there, had a little brief thought of doing doctoral work. And so I actually went to Fort Worth to Southwestern and went to school there for uh one really, I guess it was two semesters a year, and that just was not my deal. I I, I thought at one point that I wanted to pursue that because I, I thought, man, teaching in college would be great. It'd be fun because, you know, college was a fun part of my life, blah, blah, blah. But it just never – the and I, the thing was, was the professors that I was dealing with, like none of them dealt with real people. Mm. And it was all this ivory tower kind of we're going to do all this yeah, academic yep. stuff, and I'm like, that's not me. That's not my jam, and so I'm not going to go do that. And it's funny saying that now. If anybody knows you, you are the care pastor. You literally, your job and yeah. what you're gifted at, I think, is working with people, and that would have been 
probably frustrating. For yeah, you. yeah, it w- exactly. And I thought, well, could I do that and bring that into that context? But in that at that point in the world, it was just and the way things were going, it was not a, it just wasn't my deal. So I ended up from there, I ended up being a student minister at a church in Oklahoma. Was there for, I think, seven years, almost, seven and a half. And then I was a year in North Carolina, very long year <laughs> in North Carolina, and, uh, and then moved in 19, moved in 95, moved to Bossier City and was actually a student minister at Cypress Baptist Church. And you got to meet this young, mulleted youth pastor. Yes, young, mulleted youth pastor who also sang every once in a while, named Justin Hagler. And we'd hang out, you know, short story in that, we would hang out together just because it wasn't wasn't a territory type type thing for us. We just would hang out and talk about it. So we're both Cowboy fans as well as you Go Cowboy. Go Cowboys. That's right. Once again, Dallas Cowboys. It was a lot more fun back then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When I was a kid growing up in the 90s. In the 90s, yeah, 95, 96. Oh, yes, it was. So now you got to listen to the Saints fans that got their one Super Bowl. I'm like, we're the best in the world. Oh, we're making some comments about that. We're not going there. Sorry. We weren't Saints. Anyway. (laughs) um, So anyway, yeah, and that's how it kind of got plugged in with Simple Church was – you know, and went through some, I had some other uh, experiences and things that I went through during a, a brief time period in my life where I was, um, I'd actually left the church that I was at, Cypress, for a while. And you'd been in ministry at that point, 15 oh, years, yeah. 20 years? Yeah, 15 years, and, and it was a, I mean, it's a whole different, again, that's a lot of, a lot of conversation could go with that. Um, it was a, misunderstanding between me and a and a new pastor that came in and so um i was asked to leave the whole details behind that's just crazy sure but anyway um so there was a period of time there where i just was trying to find job hustling jobs to do and again no accidents right that that's the time where justin is getting close to launching simple church yeah looking for something and it just yeah you go back and i remember the story and i think about going back like even the old bible stories and and you you hear the story of like uh joseph and how his brothers just trashed him and threw him in a pit sold him into slavery and all this kind of stuff and then he and then god used it and there's that there's that bible verse in there that what man meant for harm, God meant for good. Yeah. And so even in looking through those life events, and there are really two main ones, um, which was the loss of a job and the loss of a daughter, um, going through those events, you you come out on the other side and you go, wow, I, I do see God there in the midst of that. And and because no doubt, if, if I had gone through the second loss of grief— <laughs> which was a loss of my daughter. If I'd gone to another church field and done that, I, I honestly feel, if that had gone, if that had happened, I really feel I probably would have, I would have checked out from ministry probably. Mm. I don't think it would have been a, you know, take my life type thing. Right. But I was like, I'd have been like, God, I'm done. You know. Mm. I don't know what I would do in there. You've taken my bird and my bush. Mm. Says Bruce Almighty. Yes. <laughs> Smite me. Yeah, that's right. Almighty Smite Smiter. Oh <laughs> So let's back up then. So okay, this is the parent up. podcast. That's good. So we're walking yeah. through that. When did you become a parent? Were you in seminary? Uh, you got yes. Married? Yes. Actually, my first. Um, Clara. My first two children, Clara and Thomas, both they're two years apart. Um, I was married a year. Had had uh, Clara, and then two years later had. Thomas, yes, and they were both born in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I'm like juggling, juggling getting your masters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, finished, you know, finished that, um, and then went to went to my first church job. You know, there's always the whole interview process with different churches and where are you going to be. And we ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, love love the area, love the town. Um, and we're there, and that was kind of always the first church. Yeah, uh, we had we had another child by that time, Molly, and um, so you moved three kids to a city with no family. Well, I moved two kids, and they had okay, one of them there. there. Yeah, and we had yeah no family there in the Tulsa area. Mine's in 
mine's in uh tyler the in-laws are in uh memphis tennessee and so we're just they weren't facetiming in the 90s no (laughs) no you know and we we you know we we figured it out you know and it was there were certain struggles that we had i mean just as as parents and as family and and the the church we were in was not the the town that we were ministering in was what i would consider fair i mean it was it's not like upper highlands dallas area but it was upper middle class i mean the school that these kids went to a lot of them when they went to college stepped down as far as facilities because of the way wow. the high school was i mean it had a Olympic sized pool and diving facility on the high school campus. Really? In the middle of and the, Oklahoma. In the middle of Oklahoma, yeah. And our church was at that point, the church was right across the street from the from the campus. And so I love that because Yeah, of, as a student pastor. Yeah, as a student pastor, I would go over to campus, hang out. The the high school football team at that point was on a run. They I think they won t- like I, I wanna say ten out of twelve consecutive I mean ten out of twelve state champions, 6A champions, which was the largest division in Oklahoma. Dang. So it was a big high school. Yeah, sounds like stuff. So anyway, but but on the inside, our struggles were you only make X dollars being a youth pastor. Sure. And we're ministering Can't to kids. Can't relate to that at all. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're ministering to kids whose parents are giving them. Different lifestyle. A different lifestyle. And then, and then even your, like my volunteers. So that became a struggle, honestly, for a while. Sure. Uh, and was really one of the mo- one of the things that motivated me to start trying to find another place to serve. Come on down to Benton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you well, went to North Carolina. Yeah, I went to North Carolina for a very long year. Um, yeah, because it was just from a from a financial standpoint, and there were some other dynamics behind that. But but from a financial standpoint, my family had grown by one, but my my salary had not. I mean, yeah. I think my f- I think. I can't. I'm trying to remember what my first salary. It was in the tw- low twenties. Wow, you know, and and you're sitting there going, you know, part of you you read, well, you got a master's degree, you could go do that, but it was just again, it's all part of God's God's plan. No, but that's tough. I, and I think there's some parents listening that can relate yeah. to and not so making we were, enough money. Yeah, and, and so to juggle, we're trying to juggle all that, and you know, you know, I, looking back, you know, you learn a lot, and uh, but. It was, you know, probably with things, yeah. Is there things you do differently? Absolutely. Sure. But but, but it is, you know, again, what men meant for bad, God meant turn for good. So I do, I really think regardless of our circumstances and situations that we go through, that God's, if you truly believe and, and are a Jesus follower, then he's got your, he really does have your back. And he really does care for you. And in the midst of that, wants you to, Rather than, because I was, and I was even talking about this Monday morning on our Hope Live thing, is we have a tendency to be self-preservers. We want, we don't want pain. We want to help ourselves. We don't want our kids to, to hurt. We don't want our, you know, our family to hurt. All this kind of stuff. But, the reality is, when Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth, he goes, guys, I got a promise for you. Here it is. You ready? Put this one on your refrigerator or on your mirror <laughs> in your bathroom. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Boom, there's the problem. Pain. Pain. You know, but then he goes on and says, but but don't be afraid because I've overcome the world. I'm, I'm saying this so you in, in me you'll have peace. And so in the midst of all that, I think the one thing that I've learned is, you know, peace of God's there if you just reach out and, and do it. So That's great. And so you take the job in North Carolina. You said it was a bad year. Yeah. We don't have to get too far down the road on no, that, no, but – at that point, you're probably like, well, what do I do, right? I mean, yeah. as a dad, as a man, you're trying to provide for your family. You took sure. this thing. And and yeah, as men, we... Three kids twice in however many years. Exactly. As men, we we find a lot of our significance through our job. And so you're going... And for me, the North Carolina thing really was, honestly, it was two things. It was culture, and, and with that, there was also the, a financial side to it from the standpoint of, I didn't realize it. I thought I'd ask all the right questions and done all the homework and stuff. But it was just different. It was just a culturally different thing because in that area, decisions that I would make, even in Oklahoma and then later in Louisiana, with a phone call would take four, five, six weeks because you had to go through all the 
the channels. Committee. I called them the church owners. <laughs> they called it the church council. <laughs> but <clears throat> so, you know, and then that's so I was like, okay. And I remember calling my the pastor I'd served under prior, and he was like, well, dude, now you got to just live out what you believe. Mm. Which he was very technical. He said, you got to live out your theology mm. and what you believe about God. And I said, all right, I got you on that. But it still sucks. I believe God doesn't <laughs> want me here. <laughs> so anyway, a friend, uh, a friend of mine actually that knew that knew me, not really in a real strong personal way, but he was a, he was actually in Tyler, and uh, that the church Cypress had reached out to to that church and said, "Hey, y'all know anybody that's interested?" And he gave my name, and so as they say, history, the rest is history was made. History was made. So. There you go. So you move here. You have four yeah, kids now. Four kids. And you're going to being in ministry. You're figuring that out. So looking yeah. back at that phase of life and yeah. as younger kids are doing that, what is something you think you all did well with your kids? Um, I'd say, I would say from the standpoint of just helping them make wise decisions. And by that I'm saying we have a tendency to tell our kids – what to think rather than how to think. And so I was trying to focus on, okay, how you think. Don't just do this and say, well, we don't do this because my mom and dad don't let me do it. Told me or, not to. Or, right. yeah, they told me not to. Or I, not, I'm going to do this because they told me I have to do it. So I just found it better. And, and part of that was the fact I did have a little bit of an advantage. I'm not saying I'm like Joe parent of the year person but i had a little you have bit some of, great kids that's why we're talking to you today. yeah but i had a little bit of advantage too because i've been a student ministry right growing up with those with my kids growing up i was a student minister the whole time so i was working with kids that are teenagers down the road a little bit knowing that my kids are going to eventually be teenagers you know and they used to say that the whole deal with teenagers and how to deal with them was that you put them in a barrel and put the lid on it with a hole in it, and when they turn 13, <laughs> you, you plug up the hole <laughs> until they graduate. But so I, but I also knew, and the cool thing about it was my kids had access to a lot of the the wisdom and the speakers back then that are now kind of the, I guess, kind of the the big thinker guys now that are out there. But but we would do it early in life because I'm I remember my kids being young and going to a youth ministry conference thing over in Texas, and we want y'all to hear this new great guy that's leading a Bible study right now at Baylor, but his name's Louis Giglio. Y'all listen to, him. and so you you're seeing these guys that are just starting out that are now really kind of heavy hitters in some of the yeah Christian world. Uh, Andy Stanton's another one going to big stuff camp for years. I would do that. And so my ki- and I would try as I could to bring my kids with me. Sometimes that didn't always work sure. out that way. But then again, going back with my own kids, and I do, I do think we have a, one thing I do realize, and you and you're realizing this as well. You really don't know if you've done it well until they're adults. Sure. So it, because it's it's I mean it's you're planting it's parents. Seeds. You're planting the seed exactly. <laughs> you don't know what's gonna grow. Exactly. You don't. You don't, but so then you hope to get, okay, what can I control? I can control, let's go to the plant and seed analogy. I can control the dirt that I'm putting it in, where I'm putting it, and what I'm putting into them. And so just try to do it that way and, uh, and help them through, through that process. And, um, yeah, so far, so far, so good. I mean, so far, so good. Yeah, we had the, I mean, we had the normal high school stuff. Sure. Of dealing with, you know, expectations versus reality and all that kind of stuff because each of the kids were were that way but molly for example was she she was the she was the dreamer of the four kids (laughs) i mean really like everything for her was like it was and not in a selfish way but it's like the world was her stage and so she wanted to play it out and so for example freshman year high school homecoming dance in her mind it should have been like I've been watching Cinderella all my life. The theme was the Molly Reed show. Yeah, <laughs> and it should be that here's my glass, you know, here's my carriage, here's the 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 mice and the, birds, the handsome prince, <laughs> and all oh, this okay. kind of stuff. And I've got all you know. So she had these big expectations, and I remember literally sitting with her, and I'm saying, I'm saying, Molly, here's your expectations up here. 
Now, here's reality. Going to be down here a little bit, and there's a, and there's a space between reality and expectation. And I said, you know what that's called? And she's like, what? I said, that's called disappointment. So you got to decide how much disappointment do you want to mm -hmm. make. We can't always change reality, but we can change our expectations. And I'm not saying don't don't dream big. Sure, it's a balance. It's a balance. It's a tension. Exactly. And so that's kind of part of what just trying to teach my kids that growing up. That's tough. Yeah. Absolutely. It's complicated. Yeah, because you the other part of it is, and again, going back, I picked this up from a, a counselor when, when actually before Perry and I got married. Um, we went to a counselor because I wanted to make sure that the family dynamic was still going to be healthy mm. because we'd still had a stay at home sort of because Caroline was still at home. She was in high school by that time. And um, so I just still remember the counselor saying, you know, we want, we want our parent we want our kids to struggle, but we don't want them to suffer. Mm. And so much of what I saw, even with parents, and sometimes even myself, is I don't even want my kids to struggle. Oh yeah, helicopter wanna, parents. Exactly. Protecting. Exactly. What's the new phrase now? Uh, drone parents. Drone parents. Drone yeah, parents. yeah, yeah. You're watching them from a distance with the eye in the sky yes. technology. Yeah, I saw you. You know. Your life 360 app. Yeah. So it's yeah, and we, but the reality of it is, it don't. You, you gotta have. You have to have some struggle. And just pause right there, too, because this is something that I keep trying to bring up, and we've talked to Perry, your wife, and on this podcast, we believe in counseling. You, at that point, had been a minister. You have a oh, seminary yeah. degree. You'd been through yeah. and done this stuff, and you still chose to go to counseling to work on yes. you and your a, marriage. A large part of my undergraduate degree when I was in school was a combination of kind of communication, counseling, and, and theology, kind of running those things together. So. I had that, but I also knew, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't make it through. I couldn't navigate. Even though you have the head stuff. knowledge and you yes. counsel people all the time, you've right. probably counseled hundreds, if not thousands of oh, people probably talking and doing it as a pastor, but you still went, and if you need it, I go, I need it. Exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. everybody pretty much would benefit. Exactly. And, and, and I'm so glad. I don't know if it's a, if it's a culture in, I know it's a culture within our church. Yes. I don't know if it's within our community yet, but I'm so thankful within the church. Our culture is is go to counseling, get get help because you because and it's we can go into the whole thing of the brain and the way the brain works and all that kind of stuff. But the reality of it is, when when we get hurt and it has it affects our brain and the way we think. And we need somebody else from the outside that can look into our life and go, have you thought about this way? Have you thought about doing this? And um, it's important because you can't, you can't heal yourself. Like mm. my medical doctor, when he gets sick, doesn't go to himself. And <laughs> get diagnosed. Yeah. He, he goes to another doctor and says, hey, now he has knowledge and is going to know what it is. Yeah, it's important. Absolutely. Definitely. We're believers. And if you go to Strong Simple Church, fan. you're a part of the Simple Church, we can help you get into exactly. counseling. We have people exactly. to recommend and definitely think just about everybody, if not 100%, would benefit from it. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of counsel, Brian, we'll go through a tough phase of life, and our sure. families are forever linked to this. We are. And so are. talk about what happened when the, the loss of a child, one of the worst sure. things imaginable and going through that story. Yeah, October 20th, 2006. You know, there's always dates that you remember, um, you know, that happened in our life. And, of course, everybody knows 9-11. Everybody knows Pearl Harbor. Most should know, I guess. Uh, I don't know a lot of kids know uh, Pearl Harbor anymore. Harbor. They should. They need to. December 7th, right? December 7th. They, they live in infamy. That's right. I know. So, uh, October 20, man, it's, um, you know, it's fall here in, in the area. Football season is in full swing. Um, that particular day, I was actually on the golf course with Justin. I don't remember who else was playing with us, but I know we were finishing up the uh, we're finishing up a round of golf. We're on the 18th green at Huntington Golf Course, which is since now called the Club at Huntington. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Fancy. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Never. Mind. Sorry, Huntington, if you're not listening to this. That's right, Mr. Huntington. Please don't sponsor. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so Molly calls. We do have a cell phone by that time. That's good. 2006. Um, 
she calls, and of course, again, as I talked to earlier, she was always the one that was, she lived maybe a little less in reality and more in, <laughs> in dream world, or as we would call it, Molly world. Sure. Um, and she was, she, so she was, even as a small child, she would do this way, but she was just almost upset of the fact that she couldn't find, and so before she left for school that day, I said, I'm going to leave you money for the game, because they were all going to a football game, airline football game, so I left it. She calls me, Dad, where is my money? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, where are you? Walk into the kitchen, look on the shelf. What do you say? Oh, $20 bill. Thanks, Dad. Bye. You know, so that was our- Crisis you know, solved. Yeah. Said, I love you. And that was, that was you know, love you, have a fun time. And they were driving to Natchitoches? Driving to Natchitoches, yeah. I think Airline was playing, I guess, Natchitoches Central. I think so. Or whatever. Right. Uh, so, and she had asked for permission to do this, and I was, I was okay with it. Um, there were five girls that were going to ride down in her, one of the parents' vehicles. The parents were following that vehicle down the interstate, and that the mom was going to drive back because it was, you know, sunshine, daylight going down there. Um, the driver of the car, had, you know, had her license. She was, I think she was 17 think by so. that point. Yeah, so she'd had her license for a year, but, I mean, still a, f a fairly new driver. But anyway, uh, so that was going to way it's going to happen that way. So anyway. And my sister Erin was one of the girls in the Aaron car. Your sister was there, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Megan was driving, and then Katie Watkins, Emily Purdue, Aaron, and then Molly. And so um, the next thing I come into, we were actually getting to go, getting ready to go eat with a couple, some friends of ours, and um, had dropped Caroline off at a birthday party. And I get a phone call from Justin, and he's like, hey, man, just a quick question for you. He said, um, who did Molly ride with to the football game? And I said, well, it was Emily and all that crew. Uh, Megan, I think, was driving, and her parents were following. Like, oh, okay, now I'll call you back in just a minute. That's all he said. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm waiting in the vehicle in the parking lot while she's getting dropped off, and he calls back and just goes, hey, I'm just going to tell you. He said there's been an accident um, that uh, you need to go to LSU Hospital now. Um and at that point, he said they've had to put a couple of the girls in a helicopter. They're having to life flight them. <clears throat> and Molly is in an ambulance. And he said, but, he said, Emily didn't make it. So if you talk to Danny and Terry, don't say anything yet because they don't know anything and we're waiting to get more details. And so at that point then... Of course, the first thing you hear, you do, your ears in shock. You don't know what. So we go to the <clears throat> go to the hospital. I remember parking across the street. I remember walking. I remember overhead seeing the helicopter come to land. And I remember at about that same time behind that is an ambulance pulling down to go in. And then behind that car is Danny and Terry Purdue. And I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. So at that point, they put us into it. We go into the hospital. There's a little family waiting room off of the emergency room, uh, which is really not a whole lot bigger than this office. <laughs> and so at that time, when I walked in, Steve Watkins was sitting there. Uh, and, you know, the room slowly began to fill up. And um, basically, there had been a wreck. Uh, the girls were driving apparently a, a truck pulling the trailer kind of looked like it was getting ready to change lanes and I've done it we've all done it before you just kind of see it in your peripheral vision and so you turn really quick but when that happened it initiated a rollover uh, on the vehicles a Tahoe it was a rollover on the vehicle um, and so from that and I remember reading the uh, later down the road I got the accident report from state police they always send send you that uh and found out we did find out that molly had been ejected from the vehicle because she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. well again as a parent you always tell your kids wear your seatbelt. and i'm going well, what's going on with that and it, it just was not molly like because in order for her to live in molly world she had to be safe so <laughs> <laughs> so i did find out later and i think it may have been aaron that actually told us that they were figuring out, listening to music, figuring out dance moves, and Molly literally had 
was showing them some kind of dance move. So she had unbuckled for a minute to show them the dance move. And then obviously th that happened. So Aaron was actually in the back seat in the middle between Emily and Molly. And so all the glass blew. And there's a lot of details of that. that I sure. talked for a long time on just from that standpoint. Yep. But from there, I mean, literally we would go from picking out homecoming dress to picking out a casket. And as, mm. a, and as a parent, you're going, gosh, you know, how, you know, how did this happen? And, and, and it's just this whole range. Of, and it's grief. I've, I've always said grief is a process and not an event. Yeah. And so for me, I'm also the added part of being the dad is you got to hold everybody together. Mm. You got to be the glue. Um, mom at that point was not and so i'm trying to make up the balance and so and on top of the fact that i'm a minister and so i've met i've dealt with families that have gone through this and so i'm going okay this is what you got to do this is what you got to do yeah and so um so it wasn't what i was supposed to do i mean from the real standpoint of it was i was trying to i was and and having grown up i was always a stuffer of emotions because mm. you just stuff those inside and then you don't, you just don't deal with it. My family growing up, the mood was, if you don't talk about it, it'll go away. <laughs> so Enneagram two. Yes, that's right. Number green. Two, you and me the, are the yeah. same color and number with a, with a, with a, I go to a one, uh, you wing more one, one so, I wing more three. So I'm a, I'm a perfectionist too. So mm -hmm. that's why when you ask me to hang a picture, it's going to involve <laughs> a tape measure and a level. Do it right. Do it right. Do it right. So you do it right. That's right. But so you've talked before that you joined a club. Nobody ever wants to be. Yeah, there. yeah. Parents who've lost children. Yeah, it's a club that sucks. Membership dues are are hard and high, Gosh. and it and it and it stinks. But again, I think for me, again looking back, you go back to to God and His Word, and and Paul wrote about it in Second Corinthians where he talks about, you know, we go through these things so that we can get comfort from God from others through God or from God through others so that in in time we can then comfort those who need comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, very much a paraphrase right there. Sure. But the reality of it is is true with that because we went from there to we made the decision kind of in conversation because there were three girls that actually ended up uh, dying as a result of that accident. And so it was, and but all of them were airline high school kids, so it was just a massive um, event and and sadness. Um, the whole community. The yeah. whole community. Yeah, exactly. And so, the we made the decision, kind of talking together, two of the families because we were at that time we were at First Bossier. Uh Katie was actually at Asbury, and so we did Molly and Emily's service together, thinking. And my thoughts was it would be better for everybody rather than having to. Do it twice. Do it twice. It's kind of the whole rip the band. How how fast you want to rip that bandaid off? Yeah, or whatever. And so you know, I, I still remember, just, I mean, a few of the things. I, I just remember the church being packed. Um, I spoke briefly as a part of the service, and then Doctor Fred did the message. But I, I just remember leaving. Uh, the two things I still remember, one was visitation was just forever. Oh, they lined up around the building, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was 10, 11 o'clock at night before we got out of there. Then the second thing I remember is the drive from the church to the cemetery mm. and cars that would just pull over to the side of the road, people you didn't know. And they're just pulling over and they're getting out and, you know, they're putting their hand over their heart. And then we get to the, uh, you know, at every corner, there's policemen that get out and salute. salute and you're just going, wow. You know, they weren't like dignitaries. They weren't right. high-ranking politicians or people that have been around. They were teenage girls. But the cool thing about it was they were teenage girls that loved Jesus. Mm. And so the impact that, and it still is. And I think the cool thing about it is, um, you know, and, and I've said it before, what was our heartbreak began to be the heartbeat of a community and of some people um, that had just said, we're going to continue to remember 
these girls and allowed what they stood for to impact lives even into the future. And y'all share some of Molly's diary? Yes. Yeah, Molly had written, uh, and, and again, so many just crazy things. Because, for example, the one book that, ju- if you ask Justin even today, what book made you, outside of the Bible, <laughs> what book made you want to start Simple Church? There was a book called Chasing Daylight by Erwin McManus. Well, Molly had read that. And to sit there and read what she had written as a 15-year-old, and you're going, man, there's 50-year-old people that don't get that. You know, God, I want my, basically, I want my my defining moment. I, I want, you've created me for a reason, and I want to impact people. You know, and it never was about job, about vocation. It was it was about purpose mm. and, and what do I do with my life? And so, yeah, and so she had written in the journal, and it was so crazy because there were even times when she started that, I, this was before the wreck, where I was like really going through, God, do you want me to, you know, there was there were some times where I was like, God, do you want me to stay and keep doing student ministry? You know, you know part of what went down up at, up at the other church was I that allowed my name to be submitted as potentially senior pastor for a church, and they decided, you know, no. And so there was some, not with me, but with me and the new leadership, there was some some conflict there. And so we were like, do you want me to go back? And I, rem- I didn't really ever talk about it, but when I go back and read Molly's journal, one of the things we talked about doing was going back to Oklahoma. And if God, because we just enjoyed, it was a good good part, enjoyed the community. And I don't know where she picked up on that, but she began, began to be her prayer. Mm-hmm. But then her other prayers were for people that she would come in contact with. The thing that ro- that rocked her world the most, and that's why I say she moved, and it's in a bad way, she moved from Molly World. The change in her life happened on, uh, and I think you were probably on that, Mission Trip to Juarez. Mm-hmm. And Chip led it. And at that time, Chip, Chip Mitchell's on staff with us. He was yeah. a high school pastor. He was a high school pastor then. And they re- y'all read a book called It's Not About Me. Mm-hmm. Max Lucado. Yeah, Max Lucado. Exactly. And so Molly read that book. And for her, that was her moment when I had as a, as a college freshman. She got to have it as a freshman in high school. Freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Of realizing, you know, it's not about me. And that was huge because for Molly, in in a kid way, in a good way, growing up, it was about her. Yeah. You know, I remember we going to see, and one of her prayer requests was from a very close friend of mine. I ended up doing his funeral, died of cancer in Oklahoma, but he'd gotten throat cancer. And I remember one the first time we drove back to to Tulsa to see him. And it was early, so it wasn't that big of an impact on him physically just yet. But we were going to see, and Molly was young, but she always, his name was Larry. She called him Mr. Larry. <laughs> and I remember her busting into that house, because she was always walking in like it was her house. Sure. And she said, Mr. Larry, are you ready to see me? And he just loved her and held her and stuff. So to go from there to it's not about me and serving others, and that's where she got it. But, you know. Nobody, nobody knew that it was only going to be a nine-month impact, mm. but but it was. But it's but it's even beyond that because because of some of the other things that have been put in place that that have just helped. So absolutely, you mentioned a couple books there, and we're going to put those links in the show notes are great. But another book that you mentioned, I just want to get into about going through grief and being able to do uh, it as a yeah. resource. Because if somebody's yeah. listening, hopefully, again, there's not a big club that people listening that have lost right. children. It's a very difficult thing. But if yeah. you know somebody or a family member or going through any kind of grief, you have sure. something that you recommend a lot. Yeah, if you, yeah, going through the, being in the part of that club, the other thing you learn is what not to say to people mm. when they're in that What place. are some things not to say, Brian? Um, well, one of the big things is you ought to be over this by now. Mm. It's been X time. You should be done by now. You know, I had one person go through and say, I'm really, I I know what you're going through. My dog died. Hmm. And I wanted to say, eat jack wagon. <laughs> that's not what you wanted to say. That's not really what I wanted to say. I appreciate you, yeah. Like, uh, that way you don't have to edit it. <laughs> Thank you. But, yes, yeah, so 
one of the things that really bothered me at first was was people walking up, going like in the line, receiving line at the visitation, and them going, "You need to read this book," or, or coming by the house, "Hey, you need to read this book." And so I'm like, "Yeah." You know, not right now. I don't. I don't want to read anything. Of course, Perry jokes all the time. I'm not a big reader. I, I read a few things, podcast being one of them. <laughs> um, but that's another story. But anyway, going back real quick, because I think, and this is a, one other real quick thing that I forgot to say. I'll go back with about counseling. For me, I think you can also, especially following a traumatic event, you can go to counseling too soon. So I went to counseling a week, two weeks after Molly died. Again, I was a minister. Go to the counselor. It's not anything negative about him, but he would ask questions and I would answer them because I knew the answers. answers. I had them in my head exactly. But so one of the things was this book, and it's a book called "Experiencing Grief" by H. Norman Wright, and it just—it's a little bitty—it's a—it's a little book, uh, a very quick read, but it just walks you through basically the stages of grief and it it put into words what the the thoughts and emotions and the feelings that I was going through at that time and and it helped just from the standpoint of being able to go okay I get that and and he even you know again he's a guy who writes from a perspective of having loss children wife other family and and jokingly say it, and not jokingly now, but even an animal. I mean, he talks about that. Um, and so it was just a really good, uh, a good book. And so much it impacted, I, I'd shared it with others, and then others had shared it with me prior, since that time. But there's one lady in our church now who is actually, uh, it hurt, lost her husband to cancer, and um later picked up that book and read it and it impacted her so much that she she actually is the lady i'll call her up and i'll say hey running out of books and she'll get on amazon and order them and send them and so i have probably five books sitting in my office now Mm. to just give away she said i want this it helped me and i know it helped you so much i want families to be able to have it and not have to awesome Let's buy it. So, so going yeah. to you went too soon. How long should someone go, or if you're a friend or a family member, yeah. when do you tell them they should try to go? Because that's tricky. Yeah, it is. It is tricky because you know, again, some other words to use about grief. Grief is, it's, it's cyclical, not linear. So that meaning that, you know, five steps to grief. You don't go one, two, three, four, five, and I'm done. Sometimes it's Two, one, three, four, actually five, the last step, which is acceptance, is where you accept that. I would say, wow, that's a tough question. Nobody's really asked me that question before, Evan. I'm just, mm. It's t- tough. I'm trying to say anywhere between four and eight weeks or so maybe because it gives you that time to, for, for me, it's the initial punch in the gut, shock factor, and 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 does it give your again gives your brain time to catch up to what yeah what reality is and so um i think uh but for some people maybe even longer than that um i, I think the key important thing is that you do get counseling yeah that you do I, I think anyone that experiences the loss of a loved one be it spouse child even extended family members, depending on what the the relationship was like, it's good to go to counseling just to to make sure. When we talked about it, we we still go. Yeah, I go. I call them two nubs. I go. I got to go Once get a, a tune up. Yeah, and go check on things. And and that's another benefit of that too is if you're regularly going and doing that, when crisis happens, you already have a relationship with a counselor. Exactly. You already know someone. It's not as difficult if you already have history and they know you and understand. Sure. And yeah, you're not having to go back and re talk about what you did as a three-year-old and how that impacts your view of your mama and <laughs> right the foundation is there exactly, exactly. so that's good, good. And this last thing about healing and grief we've talked about chewy rest in peace oh yeah this is a cool story of yeah. somebody that when you don't know what to do when you don't know how to ha- help somebody that's grieving or this awful yes. situation this is just one that's always stood yeah, out to me if you great, use what you have a gift great, yeah great great lead up evan yeah, and, and I always say that because people always ask, well, you know, 
my best friend lost their mom or their child. What do I do? Well, really, you just be there. And I always like food. My exactly. go-to is bring something. Yeah, bring something with you. Exactly. Just bring because everybody eventually they're gonna you gotta eat. <laughs> eventually you gotta eat. Eventually you gotta have something to drink or whatever. Just yeah, you can bring something and then just sit there. You don't have to answer every question. The ministry of presence. Brian. Exactly. That's something I've learned from you. You do very exactly. well. Exactly. Exactly. The ministry of presence is right. So, and I don't even remember. It wasn't, but a few weeks, maybe three weeks or so after the funeral and everything. Get a phone call. This lady says, can I come by? Well, she comes by the house. You didn't know her? Didn't know complete her. Complete stranger. She, a complete stranger from Benton had read the stories and because the, there had been numerous things in print and, 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 on, and on newscasts about the, the girls and the accident and all that was involved with that. Um, and she come, shows up at the house with a Yorkshire miniature Yorkie puppy. Full-blooded papers. Full-blooded papers and everything. And she had three from her litter, and Lord knows how much those things cost. God, I mean, they're thousands not, of dollars. Yeah, they're not They're not cheap. I mean, they're not like Labradoodle or Visha. <laughs> Shameless plug. But they are still, I mean, they're more than a family typically going to be, be able to afford. But anyway, so she had three and just felt like, and in her words, I just felt like God wanted me to give you all these to help you. And so... Two of the free family of the three that had lost accepted. The one had already just had it, gotten a dog, and so they passed it on where the Samanko. So you had Chewie's sister, Sophie. Sophie, yes. And so Chewie, um, I mean, he was just jumped into our world and and loved him. I and mean, we we called him Chewie because his his face looked kind of like Chewbacca from mm-hmm. Star Wars and. He was a little bitty, and we had him all the way up until a year ago, I guess, sometime I around so. that time frame. I mean, they, we got to the whole later part of, you know. End of life, tough. End of life stuff. Humans for and dogs, pups. For humans <laughs> and pups. I, you know, I just told my kids if I ever, and my wife, if I ever get like that at the end of my life, just take me on a long ride. <laughs> Somewhere else. But going back to that, I just uh, always think about that lady because she didn't know us. She was exactly. moved and grieved. She used what she had. And for my family, I know for Aaron especially that was going through this. And, I mean, all of us were experiencing loss. I was a pallbearer at the funeral. Your mm-hmm. son Thomas is one of my really good friends. And mm-hmm. we were through Mallory. My wife now was really good friends with Molly. And all yeah. of these teenagers trying to figure out how to process those emotions and go through that. It was something positive we could focus on the puppy. As silly yeah. as it was, instead of dwelling on what had happened, we were exactly. able to go and focus exactly. on raising this little yeah, puppy and I, together. Yeah, and I think that's where I go back to the this, the little statement. Our heartbreak began to be the heartbeat of a community because you had her give that. One guy that really has super stepped up, and I, and I don't tell him enough, is a guy named Bobby Brandon. If you know Bobby, he's not a out-front kind of guy. He's a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. But Bobby single-handedly said, I want to do two things, and he created a Garden of Angels Memorial that still is a beautiful courtyard thing at, at Airline High School, and it just, I mean, it's pretty cool to to see it there, and and then he also created this, we created this Garden of Angels Scholarship, which is given every year to an airline student to, again, the whole thing is, it's not, you got to be you know, smartest kid, highest grades, it's really more, yeah, grades are important, but it's more like who exemplifies the heartbeat of these girls? Character, yeah. And their character and their desire to serve others and the desire to follow Jesus and stuff. And so, you know, that's one way, again, Bobby had no connection to us. I mean, Bobby now is a good friend of mine, but only because of the death of my daughter. Mm. I mean, because Bobby and I wouldn't, I mean, he's a cowboy guy too, so we got to hang together. It's a, it's a common thread here. But he never would. But beyond that, right? I mean, he's air never brought together. He got an air conditioning company. Owns a business, yeah. Yeah, owns a business. And stuff. Y'all have built houses. In yeah, the we girls built houses. Here. Yeah, um, yeah. Katie build, Molly build, and Emily build. Each of the we've got to build those, and and hopefully that'll, that'll happen again. I think as we're coming out of this COVID time, those types of things are there. I know we've had. I think the church itself has three or four lots, maybe, that people have actually said, here they are, build. So we're out of all of that, that was meant for harm. 
Yeah, exactly. Good has come out exactly. of it, and that Good was a choice that y'all have right. made, and all these people have chosen to do. Yeah, that's do the, something. Yeah, it, it really comes down to you. You said the right word. It's a choice. You can choose. You choose between life and death, and you know some people choose to dwell in that death, and that's when it can not be healthy, as as much as better point of choosing you can choose life. Mm-hmm. So we choose. I chose consciously to, yeah. Do I? Heck yeah, I get sad on her birthday and 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 on her the anniversary of her death. I mean, it's a it's a sad thing, but. Beyond that, the two cool things that have happened out of that, which to me are just awesome, again, God things, is one, when Clara, my oldest, came to me and Perry and said, hey, we're having another girl. We want to name her Molly because of that. And then the second thing was when Thomas and Amanda called us up and said, hey, of course, nowadays, nowadays you kids, you don't have kids like we used to. (laughs) They they plan them. <laughs> the doctors and I think the doctors do that so they can fit their schedule. And they said, "No, we're gonna we're gonna induce you on this day." Well, it was October twentieth, mm. and so Thomas, I remember he he called and said, "Hey, Dad, are you okay with that?" He said, "I know that's not a good day." And I'm like, "No, dude." You know, at that point, the song that had been going through my head a lot was, uh, "You turn graves into gardens," and so that became our grave into garden moment of realizing that. Yeah, on that day, I lost my daughter, but I got a granddaughter. Mm. And so Annie was born on October 20th of this last year, 2020. And so so from that, is, again, is the life. That's where you focus on the life in the moment. So There you go. That's a great yeah. note to end up, Brian. Thank you for your well, time. Well, thank you, man. Thanks Glad to be a part. Uh-huh. Hopefully help the parents out there. Yeah. And thanks for listening. And if you know somebody that's going through grief, we're going to put those books in the show notes to be able Absolutely. to link. And obviously, if you are in the Bossier area, you're in Round Simple Church, Brian Reed is an excellent counseling recommendation. Mm-hmm. We'd love for you to talk and reach out. He's our care pastor. There's a form on the website. You can email him, brian at thesimplechurch.tv. Come talk to Brian and see. And he's here to help. It's been a bit of help to me and our family for a long time. We're a big fan of Brian Reed. We're Simaco fans, too. We love Team (laughs) Simaco. That's right. Thanks, Brian. All right, man. Thank you for tuning in and listening. If you have gone through grief, if you're experiencing grief, I highly recommend you check out one of those books or all of them. We also would love to talk with you if you want to talk to me or Brian. Our contact information is in the show notes. You can email us, evan at thesimplechurch.tv or brian at thesimplechurch.tv. Thanks for being here with this episode. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The next one in each week will automatically pop up wherever you listen to this podcast. Have a great week.